Uh, good to be with you all today. And if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to John chapter 4. Uh, if you use a Bible app, you can go to John chapter 4 with us. We'll also put these words up uh, on the screen in just a moment. Um, how many of you have ever been to Homosassa, Florida before? Any, anybody ever been there? Yeah, one in the back and around the room. Anybody know what Homosassa, Florida? It's kind of fun to say. Anybody know what it's for? Uh, it's not a COVID hotspot as far as I know, but uh, you, one of the things that makes uh, Homosassa well-known is you can swim with manatees there. And uh, it, it's really, it's true. It's really cool. The manatees what they do is they'll migrate from the colder uh, Gulf of Mexico waters uh, in the winter. They migrate up into the rivers, especially around this area of Homosassa. And you can charter a boat. You can charter a guide. They, they give you a wetsuit. They give you snorkel gear and a flotation device and a whole bunch of instructions about what's safe and unsafe, legal and illegal as far as manatees are concerned. But my father-in-law lives in Florida. Uh, we went down to visit him this past January, and he took us to swim with the manatees. And so you take this 30-minute boat ride uh, up the river to, a, to an isolated place, uh, come to a stop, and the guide's like, okay, get in. Well, my family, they were all chickens, and so like, dad's got to go first. And so I, I climbed down out of the boat uh, into the water. Now, it was 70 degrees at best, okay, which is wonderful in the wintertime, right, in Florida. But for the water's sake, I mean, the water was just a tad bit warmer. And so I, I climbed down into the water, and I started to panic. And uh, just, it was that shock of the water temperature, all right? And, I, and I've got this, you know, tight wetsuit, you know, fixed around me all at the same time. I'm trying to breathe through the, the snorkel, which, which doesn't work too well uh, for me, someone with asthma. But also the realization that, our, that there are 1,000-pound manatees uh, in the water swimming around you. And it's a river, so the water's not crystal clear. And so I'm just saying that it will take your breath away when you are under the water with your mask on and you look out a few feet and this guy is coming right at you. Uh, Drew, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Didn't you have an experience like this recently? I, I thought I heard about it. But uh, yeah, so, you know, the guy tells you over and over again, you got nothing to worry about. They don't bite, right? But it only takes one. Like it only takes one guy to decide, you know, he's having a bad day or, you know, wants to try out for size. But seriously, I had a hard time calming down. Uh, it took a bit for me to get my breathing under control and, and to be able to relax so that I could experience, which I got to tell you, it turned out to be a really fascinating uh, sort of experience. But I wonder how many of you today have had some moments uh, in the last few months, uh, moments of, of panic, uh, moments of anxiety, uh, worry, you know, fear, you kind of felt like things were coming in on you a little bit. Uh, life just seems to be a little bit more out of control these days. I, I wonder if somebody's here today and you would say, you know what, even about my life right now, I, I just, I sort of feel like I don't have any peace. Um, I, can't, I can't seem to get a hold of it all. I, I've, I've got some good news for you this morning. Uh, Jesus Christ has what you need. Uh, he has what, what each of us needs, and, and it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter your circumstances. Uh, he has exactly what we need, and, and he says that we need faith. 
All right, Jesus tells us that we need to have faith. Now, what's faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The dictionary defines uh, faith as something that we believe in. It's devotion to, it's trust in something or trust in someone. And when you think about it, there's nothing more important than life. There's nothing more important to your walk with the Lord than, than faith, to have faith in Jesus Christ. But, but what I got to thinking this morning as I was preparing for this today is like, if it's so important, like, how, how, do you, how do you attain faith like that? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you possess some, some faith like that? How do we grow in it? Or, or let me ask it this way. If there's a kind of faith that can really help us go through anything in life, including a pandemic, you know, what, how, how do you acquire that sort of faith? I mean, what, what does it take for us to attain faith like that? Well, uh, John 4, again, if you've got a Bible, we're continuing in this series knowing Jesus because we want to know Jesus better. We want to learn from him. We want to model. There, there's no better person to model your life after uh, than Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see today, there's no better person to teach us about faith than Jesus himself. And he has something to say about a faith that really works. And so John chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 46, uh, look at these words, uh, with me as John records this. He says, once more he, uh, that's Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So we're back in Cana again. If you were here a few weeks ago, what was it that happened in Cana? It was, as John records, that Jesus turned water to wine at a wedding there. And why are they in Cana again? We don't know for sure. Uh, it's possible that Jesus wanted to return, that he had cultivated some relationships that he wanted to continue investing in. Uh, many also believe that one of Jesus' disciples, Nathaniel, might have been from Cana, and so maybe they're going back there to, uh, for some personal reasons. Again, we don't know for sure, but what we're going to see is that God the Father has ordained this moment for Jesus and specifically this man, and it really is an event that has the potential to teach us something great, something, about spe something special about faith. And, and who's the mystery man? Well, we're just told that he's a royal official. Uh, the Greek word can also be translated as a nobleman, and we don't know a lot about him, but he's likely a Roman official, maybe a member of Herod Antipas's court. And because he's royal, we know that he has power, we know that he has influence, wealth, and resources. You could say that he, had, he likely had everything he could ever want and more except one thing his son was sick he had a boy that was very sick and dying and there was nothing that he could do about it and if you're a parent you know there is nothing worse than having a sick child uh, and some of you know that too well. I mean, nothing will cause you more anxiety than, than a sick kid. I can remember nights when my kids were much younger. Uh, they would get something like a respiratory infection or bronchitis or something. Like Jenny and I, we, we would take turns. We've got our stories of, of sleeping on the floor next to, you know, the crib just because you want to be able to hear them, them breathe. And it's amazing. It's amazing what any of us will do when, when you've got a kid that is sick, which is why this man's willingness to go and find Jesus isn't a surprise, but still extraordinary because you can't ask for two more polar opposite people. I mean, you've got a, a Jewish carpenter in Jesus 
and this Roman official. And just to give you an idea of where we are, because uh, I think geography can help, Jesus is going to spend most of his time up here to the north around the Sea of Galilee. But right now in John 4, he's here in Cana. Remember, as we talked about uh, last week, he had to pass through Samaria, and they've landed here in Cana. The, the royal official with the sick son is from Capernaum, which sits on the, the north edge of the Sea of Galilee. It's still there today. You can visit Capernaum. But this man is going to make this trip over to Cana to be with Jesus. Now, how did he know that, that Jesus was there? Well, we don't know for sure. I mean, maybe word of, of the miracle uh, from the wedding had spread. Uh, all we know is this man was willing to go. He's desperate. And so he goes to Jesus. And notice John's words one more time. He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, the word beg means to ask and to keep asking. And so it's a relentless, I mean, this is probably more than once. He is falling to his knees. Like I, I picture the crowd stunned as the royal official falls to his knees, begging Jesus to come heal his boy. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Have you ever been so desperate to see the Lord do something to move in a, in a certain way in your life or in the life of someone else that it would, it would, it would cause you to go to your knees? Like that's where this man is. And let me warn you, Jesus' reply back to him is a little startling, all right? Uh, look at this, verse 48. Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Now, it seems a little harsh, all right, Jesus' response here. But the truth is that Jesus isn't just concerned about this man. He's also concerned about the crowd that's watching and his disciples that are there too. And it's not as if Jesus was opposed to performing miracles. I mean, they're, they're a key theme in the gospel of John and God used these and, and put these miracles in the Bible as evidence to grow our faith in Jesus. And, and so they're a good thing, you know. And, and I believe that miracles and, and signs from God, they still happen today. But Jesus, he's thinking about this crowd too. He's thinking about the disciples and and you could say that he's afraid that their interest in him has maybe become a little superficial, all right, that they want a savior uh, who performs miracles to order, you know, at, at a moment's notice rather than real faith, rather than faith in the person of Jesus. And, and you know what, like, like even today, and I'm guilty of this, like we can spend so much time and effort waiting on seeking a sign, a miracle from Jesus that we miss seeing Jesus altogether. Do we miss the person of Jesus? And Because Jesus doesn't want us to be focused on the miracles, but on him. I mean, the miracles aren't sufficient. Jesus is the one who's sufficient. Like, he's the one we need for strong faith. And so I want you to be encouraged today. Like, I want you to keep praying. Like, keep praying for that miracle. And there's no better person to, to take those prayers to and to go seeking a miracle from than Jesus. But like these people, like, be sure that your faith doesn't hinge on the miracle as much as it does on the miracle worker, all right, and what he can do and what he wants to do in our lives. Verse 49, the royal official replies back, sir, come down before my child dies. Now, Cana is at a higher elevation than Capernaum, and so therefore the, the image of coming down to where his child is, but notice that he doesn't push back on Jesus. I mean, he, he, he doesn't question Jesus, but he still persists. And I think it's also interesting to note that he doesn't pull rank either. I mean, here's a man that likely had the authority to do just that, but instead he grabbed hold of even the little bit of faith and understanding that he had of Jesus, and he cried out to him for help. And look at Jesus' reply to him. He said, go, 
your son will live. Go, your son will live. One, one scholar explains this about Jesus' reply, that Jesus, he explains, created a, a dilemma of faith. All right, think about this, a dilemma of faith. He says this, if the father refused to return to Capernaum without taking Jesus with him, he would show that he did not believe Jesus' word and would consequently receive no benefit because of his distrust. On the other hand, if he followed Jesus' order, he would be returning to the dying boy without any outward assurance that the boy would recover. He was forced to make the difficult decision, the choice, between insisting on evidence and thus showing disbelief or exercising faith without any tangible proof to encourage him. Again, he calls it the dilemma of faith. And isn't that what we all face every single day on so many occasions? I mean, for those of us that call ourselves Christians, we believe in Jesus, but we're regularly presented with this dilemma of believing Jesus by faith without any evidence or proof as we take the next step. My guess is you've gone through some things in life before where you've had to take that great step of faith. You don't necessarily know what's on the other side, but you're trusting the Lord in faith. Uh, it's kind of like what was up for our church, even as we entered into this greater initiative back in the spring. This is something we've been praying about, planning for, for a really long time. It was going so well. Things were so going so great. We had so much energy and enthusiasm, and then bam, COVID hit. COVID's a jerk, right? I mean, it really is. I mean, it just messes everything up. And I got to be honest, it's it been pretty discouraging for me at times. You know, thinking, man, we've had this great plan. We want to make disciples. We want to reach our cities. We want to change the world. We know we need a new home for our Noblesville location. And then look what we're going through right now. You know what? The Lord's not surprised. Like he knew. Like he knew. Like he knew what was before us. Like we've, we've, like, I mean, I stood up here and talked about it. Like, we got to have faith. We got to have faith. We got to have faith. And then all my faith is gone, you know, when, when this happens. But, you know, the Lord says, no, yeah, yeah, faith. Just trust me. Trust me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Like, God has a great and amazing plan for our church and for his church in this world. He does. He still does. He's just asking us to have faith. It's that dilemma of faith. I mean, you know, for me, for my family, like many of you, I mean, you, you set out, you took a step of faith, and you said, you know what, I'm, we're going to give this financially to this event because we believe in what God's doing. You know, it takes faith now, right? And we talked about it, you know, I, mean, I stepped out boldly. Hey, here's what we're doing. Wow, like it's going to take faith. It's going to take trusting the Lord and trusting in his promises. Do you, Jesus didn't give the royal official any hocus-pocus, abracadabra stuff. The only thing Jesus gave the man was his word. It was a dilemma of faith, and the man is forced to ask himself, should I take Jesus at his word or demand something else? And what we see happen next, I believe, is what God has for every one of us today. That if you want greater, stronger, deeper faith, what we see next is very indicative of what we need to do in order to grow in our faith right now. See it for yourself. Look at how the man responds. John writes, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Let just those words sink in for just a moment. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And think about how it could have gone down. Like Jesus could have returned home with the man, performed a miracle, and it would still be an amazing story of the power of God and faith in Jesus. But instead, Jesus grants the healing with his words 
refuses to go with the man the 18 miles back to Capernaum. He doesn't give the man a sign either. The only thing he gave him was his word. And why did he do that? I think our gracious Savior was trying to elevate his faith. And not only for this man, but for the disciples and the crowd that is watching. And how did the man respond? The way you and I need to respond to the promises of Jesus. I I like the way that the ESV records it. Jesus said to him, uh, we read, go, your son will live. Look what the man did. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He took Jesus at his word, believed, no arguing, no struggle. He took Jesus at his word and believed. Again, don't overlook what Jesus is doing. He's raising the bar of faith here for the man, the disciples, and the crowd. And what he's doing for this man and for all those that are listening, he wants to do the same for us too. He wants us to learn something incredibly important about faith, real strong deep faith. It's just simply this, if you're taking notes, that faith comes from trusting in the promises of Jesus. Faith for us really takes hold, takes root, begins to bear fruit in our lives when we trust in the promises of Jesus. Should we pray and ask God to work in our lives? Absolutely. Uh, Should we believe in God to work miracles in our lives? Yes, don't ever stop asking or believing. What's a key ingredient to the faith that we often overlook and forget about? It's the real, lasting, strong, confident faith, whatever you want to call it, is disciplining yourself to trust in the promises of Jesus. And where do we go to find the promises of Jesus? They're available to you and me in his word. The Bible, you likely have one on your phone or 15 of them at home, like we all do and God's word it is truth for us like it is truth for us it's where we find our hope Uh, the Bible the promises are what exercise our faith there is nothing more important nothing more reliable to build your life on than faith in the word of God and in a world right now with so many confusing messages so much chaos like we need the word of God in our minds and in our hearts I mean the word of God for us are the promises of God These are the promises of God. And the more we know the promises of God, the more our faith increases. It was King David that said, your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, It was the Apostle Paul that said, all of God's words are true and useful and helpful and reliable for us. As Christians, we have nothing. We have nothing that we can stand on, nothing to build our lives on, nothing at all like the word of God. And the royal official, he embraced these words that Jesus spoke to him and then went on his way. And you and I, at the very same time, we are invited to believe in Jesus and his word and cling to them, cling to his promises with everything that we have. I I like what uh, the scholar William Barclay has to say about faith. He writes, it is the very essence of faith that we should believe that what Jesus says is true. So often we have a kind of vague, nebulous, wistful longing that the promises of Jesus are true. The only way really to enter into them is to believe in them, I love this, with the clutching intensity of a drowning man. Again, the royal official trusted in the promises of Jesus. He put his hope in the promises, and for that, he experienced faith. And what happens next is pretty amazing. Look at how John records it, starting in verse 51. 
The man leaves Jesus. Uh, He was still on his way. He's got this 18-mile trip home. His servants met him with the news. Can you just even picture that moment for just a second? You're the father clinging on to this promise of Jesus. And before you get to the house, you see your servants coming towards you. Can you imagine that moment of panic and desperation of wondering what the message is? And at the very same time, the grace of our loving God, looking down on this man and thinking and believing, you know what, it is time to reward him for his faith. The news was that the boy was living when he inquired as to the time when his son got better. They said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live so he and his whole household believed. So get this, the man believed, the son was healed, and his whole household will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Don't miss that John wants to emphasize that Jesus promised, the man hung on that promise. And just the lesson that faith works for us. Now, does faith in Jesus mean we always get what we want? No. That's a message for another Sunday. We can't do that today. But there is no better way to live there is than, than to learn to trust the promises of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus and as a church, we need to get the word of God into our minds and in our hearts, and we need to do it every day. This world is a crazy place right now. So many voices, so many what-ifs, so many fears. Who knows what to believe about anything? But can I tell you who we need to believe in, who we put in, need to put our trust in? It's Jesus. You and I, we can believe in Jesus. You can put your trust in Jesus in all of his promises. He has given us his word, all of his promises, and there is no greater step of faith that you can take today than to read and to reflect on the word of God and to do it daily, daily, allowing it to influence your mind. Not Facebook, but the word of God to influence your mind above all else. And where do you start? I mean, maybe you're wondering, okay, where do I start? Well, there are hundreds of promises in the word of God, I'm going to give you five before we go. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking through these, but you can write them down. You can take them with you. Maybe make it a goal this week. I'm going to work through these promises. I'm going to pray through these promises. Man, memorize these promises. You know, what, what does it mean for us to hold on to these promises from God? Let me just give you five uh, to have with you before we wrap up. John 16, 33. Here's one of the promises of Jesus. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. I don't like it, but Jesus told us. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, hey, the war's been won. There'll still be battles, but the war's already been won. Hang in there. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 25 to 33, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? 
you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Keep your eyes on the Lord and all that you do and all these things will be given to you as well. How about Matthew 28 uh, over in verse 18, or excuse me, starting in 19. We'll talk about the Great Commission in a few weeks. We talk about this verse a lot, Jesus' commission for us. But I love the last words there. And he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's not a day, there's not a moment, there's not a minute in your life that the Lord is not there with you. He is with us. Two more, John 14, beginning in verse one. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And then finally, and I know that we all know it, but it is worth coming back to every day. John three sixteen, one of the greatest promises of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, eternal life is not just a ticket to heaven when you die. Eternal life is heaven coming to live inside of you right now. The eternal life that Jesus offers begins the moment you trust him with your life and continues for the rest of your life here on earth and for all of eternity when you pass away. Friends, there are hundreds of promises to build your faith on. These are just five, but maybe five that you can take with you. And, uh, and here's one note. We do a midweek prayer gathering on Facebook Live every Wednesday at noon, right through our church's Facebook page. We're gonna pray through these five promises uh, together on Wednesday if you'd like to join us. But take some time with these. Uh, today, every day this week, add your own promises to your list. Write them down, memorize them. Let them give you life. Let them give you hope. Uh, let these words, let's, Lord, help these words to lead and guide and influence us every day. Last thing, and then I'll close. Go back to the royal official one more time. He made two trips, one to Jesus and one back home. I can only imagine that the first one was full of anxiety and worry and fear and pain. The trip home, though, peace, humble confidence, trusting the Lord. I don't know how you would describe your life, your emotions, your attitude these last five months. Maybe like me, there's been moments of panic, anxiety, anger, and frustration. But what if the next part of the journey was full of even more faith and trust, hanging on the promises of Jesus? What might he do in our hearts what might he do through our faith? This entire man's household came to faith in Christ. What if God wants to use this next leg of the journey to bring more people to himself through you and me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for all of your promises. Uh, it's easy to lose sight. It's easy to get caught up in so many other messages and so much other news, Lord, but we want to turn to you. We want to be people that turn to you with all of our heart and trust you every day. 
All of your promises are true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Encourage us today. Encourage our faith. Father, give us greater faith to trust you. Give us faith. Give someone here faith today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.